This is the ERP Advisor. Today's episode, ERP Trends and Predictions Part 2, 2024 Predictions. Thank you for joining us for today's webinar, ERP Trends and Predictions Part 2, 2024 Predictions. Sean Wendell is one of our speakers for today. Sean is the founder and managing principal of ERP Advisors Group based in Denver, Colorado. And your husband. And my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Sean has over 25 years of experience in the enterprise software industry with selecting and implementing a wide variety of enterprise solutions. His podcast, The ERP Advisor, has dozens of episodes with thousands of downloads and is featured on prominent podcast platforms such as Apple and Spotify. Rebecca McCabe is our guest joining us today. (laughs) Rebecca is the digital marketing manager on our team here at ERP Advisors Group. She is also the host of the wildly successful ERP Minute. On today's call, Sean and Rebecca will make their ERP market predictions for 2024 and how these trends could impact your business. Welcome, Sean and Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And welcome you too. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, wow, it's interesting. We're back here. We were just here yesterday. Yeah. uh, And we covered a lot on what happened in 2023. So we're ready to leave the year in the dust, I think, and yeah. look forward towards what's happening in 2024. Love it. Good. So we have a lot of predictions to go through. We're going to cover all the prominent vendors and what we see happening for them across the ERP industry. But maybe we can just um, start with some some more specific questions. Um, you know, maybe, Sean, you could sort of lend um, – some insight into what are the um, overall emerging ERP predictions, I'm sorry, the overall emerging ERP predictions for this year. And how do you think that that will uh, impact companies with these trends? Great. Here we go. You don't have any notes today, I see. I don't have any notes. Oh my goodness. We'll see 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 where we go. What you come up with. (laughs) I actually felt so bad about yesterday's presentation uh, because I was rah, 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 rah. It's like Charlie Brown teacher. Um, that if somebody, if you guys make it to the end of this webinar, and this is even like for people that are listening to this later, I have a little something special I'm going to offer you. And that's from my, my personal heart to you, but we're going to, we're going to talk about that later. So oh, stick with us. Got me interested. Yeah, I we know. Don't know. We have no idea. I'm not sure do. what it is, but we'll find out. <laughs> okay. So this is a great question about what to expect in 2024. Um, you know, we made, we said some uh, pretty bold things, I think about 2023 yesterday, you know, that we did have some infrastructure investments, had some more micro vertical focus. We have the vendors sort of starting to kind of be like, okay, for real, what are we doing um, around kind of the, um, the data center and kind of bringing in and working more with the hyperscalers, you know, Google, uh, Microsoft, Amazon. Um, but, you know, really looking at 2024, um, Rebecca can talk a little bit about consolidation, right? But, but also, um, I, I think, I don't think it's going to be like a, you know, OMG, everything is different. Like, you know, head for the hills, the ERP has changed and I don't know what I'm going to do and it's all going to fail. Like, it's not like that, right? It's incremental growth for sure from a, um, it's, it's growth. It's going to be a growth year for, for not from an earnings perspective, <laughs> Sorry, ERP vendors, but but from a, a development perspective, right? I think there's less, you know, interesting, sexy sort of 
you know, micro vertical focus other than some of the vendors are going to continue to buy and sort of flesh out their micro vertical solutions, right? You've been you know, reporting on that yeah, a lot. That's going to continue to happen. But uh, we were just chatting about one of the vendors actually that's getting their messaging more crisp and they're getting their technology platform strategy more crisp. And I, I think, I think that's just what it is. It's maybe it's crispness. 2024 is the year's crispy, crispy, crispy ERP. Crispy ERP. Hey, that could be a catchy name for somebody out there. They sell it to fried chicken stores. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like what's the name of the place we have down here? You could probably see it. Kicking chicken. Kicking chicken. chicken. Yeah. yeah, there's a little plug for kicking chicken. They have an ERP. You're in Lakewood, Colorado. Chicken. Just kidding. They're great, though. I love those guys. Uh, but anyway, just don't eat it too late at night. They had to suffer from that the other day. Anyway, the bottom Hang line on. is I think we are going to see the vendors just get more crisp around their, around all everything from the highest of levels, their investor relations are going to change. They're not going to talk about double digit growth and high profit margins, et cetera, et cetera. That's not going to happen, right? All the way down to um, their account management strategies with renewals. You know, we'll talk about this with one of the vendors. It's really suffering right now because they're jacking up the renewals and they're really upsetting a lot of their customers. Well, guess what? Other customers hear about that and then they don't go and license with them. So we've got to crisp up the message there on what the renewal strategy is. So, you know, it's again, not a, not a huge year of, of, uh, you know, revolutionary versus evolutionary, blah, blah. We always talk about that with our clients, <laughs> but I really do think, um, the vendors are really getting like the basics are known, right? What are we doing with AI? They figured out what they're doing with AI, but now they get to really figure it out. They have to crisp the strategy um, around AI. There's probably a more fancy word that somebody else could think of, but that's what I would say. Very interesting. Well, that's a good lead into actually to Rebecca, who's watching all the trends reports on this week to week in the, the ERP minute. And uh, with considering that the vendors already have some sort of investment or technology in AI, what will this coming year look like uh, for the vendors just kind of broadly? Yeah. And like Sean just said, like this was a revolutionary year for AI. And as I mentioned yesterday, AI has always been embedded in ERP. It's been there in learning and in the data. And now we're getting this new level of generative AI, which we had a long conversation this morning, even within our field, like marketing, it's completely yes. changing the way that people can find information, how they're interacting with information online, the authenticity of that information. And I think that's going to be something that the vendors are trying to shore up in 2024 is really, there are so many security concerns about AI still, even with, um, as the vendors get their strategies in place as they're creating Jewel for SAP, um, Miney over at QAD with the process intelligence, uh, other vendors across the market, Einstein GPT with Salesforce, all of them have some sort of AI that they're marketing, but really shoring up the confidence that our cu customers have in these products and how they're actually getting that information. Is the information coming from inside of the business. And that goes back to the data conversation that we had integrating all the systems so that the AI is more intelligent and can communicate those things. Because at the end of the day, those models are only as good as the data that you're putting into them or the programmers that are building the products. And so I think that's going to be a big thing is just getting out some of those kinks this year. Mm -hmm. And so that the customers can actually feel good about the products that they're using and not necessarily have to worry about is my data going to spill out to everybody? Because I know that was a huge concern talking to people. And I know even some of the vendors this year, when Sean and I were at conferences, 
they're looking at these new AI models where it's just a warehouse and you can opt into it. You don't have to participate. I'm not sure if you remember this, Sean, Um, but you could opt into sharing your data in this bigger database so that people could benchmark off of what you're doing and Mm -hmm. use it to be more competitive in their industry or see what their competitors are doing. And that'll be such an interesting thing that I think is going to be explored more in 2024 is how much of our data do we want to be sharing? How much do we want to participate in using other companies' data because AI is collecting all of it and the vendors are housing it? And how safe is it really going to be? Yeah. So that we could go off probably for hours on that one particular topic. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Do you want to lend your data to the general body of data out there? And does that sort of give you an, a, a, you know, a, a competitive disadvantage because now your information is now being gleaned across mm-hmm. the average? Um, or would you be making incorrect decisions because you're now taking too many averages across your competitors. Yeah. And so now you're reading into things maybe that won't drive you in the right direction. It right. is yeah. very interesting to pose those questions. And, you know, if you kind of look at how things have been, I remember a vendor 20, no, 15 years ago who built a construction-specific best-of-breed solution. And his whole value proposition to his customers was – I do have all of your competitors' data, and I can benchmark you across that information. So if your operating expenses, cost of goods sold, revenue, whatever, was too much versus the number of employees you have or your geographic region or whatever. So there's definitely benefit in that benchmarking. But, you know, look, (laughs) the data actually really isn't in that many different places. Like, Like physically, like I'm talking physical and it's probably almost all of it's in probably even one city in the United States. And it's Mm -hmm. probably replicated out to other places or definitely in one state, Virginia, right? I was just, just this weekend, I was uh, out with the dogs and I really don't want to get off topic too much. So you'll have to forgive me, (laughs) but we can talk about the dogs. We have a lot. (laughs) Yes. I can talk about the dogs all day long. God, the dogs, we should uh, flash up a picture of my dogs. I want you to do that on this. People will be like, Oh my God, they're so cute. They are the cutest, but anyway, they're cute. But anyway, that's why they get away with everything. And I talk about them all the time. Anyway, anyway, but I, I ran into a guy who works with a uh, a data center. He runs the uh, for a very large data center, global. Um, and we were just chatting about this and energy, and you know, just while you're out walking in the snow with the dogs, and and you know, Virginia is where a lot of these data centers are. So you've got all this data that's in the same place, and you know, you look at any of the SaaS vendors, and they're, they're they've aggregated all of this information, and billions and trillions of transactions are getting saved every day. So there's there's no question that there will be revolutionary things happening with not just the data, which is sort of like the basic, like you got to have the data there. But now, you know, even the government's always 10 years ahead with everything they're doing and we never find out about it. I don't care what government you're talking about. The technologies are out there now, but those those technologies get released to the private sector. And all of a sudden you can start to do things because aggregating the data was so hard and took so many years and decades for that to happen and the database technologies to catch up and everything else. So that's where I see a lot of AI going in and, um, you know, like I, I, we were just playing around this morning and I put in, um, you know, I, I build an ERP implementation plan to chat GPT, you know, 
I would have charged a lot more for it than ChatGPT charged me, but it wasn't bad, right? It was pretty yeah. good, right? We don't create any of our methodology or our marketing content, correct? Yeah. That, well, like never. We have never done that. We never, we ever, will never ever put will. It into right. Chat not GPT. with you, not with Nick, not with <laughs> our friend Will, who's here from Hawaii. Mahalo. <laughs> um, <laughs> he works offsite. I wish I could do that, but that's good. Um, and Chrissy and the rest of the team, you know, Erica, we're, we're, that's that's just crazy for for our business. That we're all about genuine and authentic content. But a software vendor has aggregated; they have thirty thousand customers, and there's you know fifteen hundred in a micro vertical. So not only are offering solutions for them, but they could also do something more with that data. That's absolute. That's already happening. There's no question about it. And even one of the vendor conferences uh, two years ago, they talked about that. Like, hey, we've got this ecosystem of all these wonderful businesses. I mean, it's like Venmo. Like Venmo transfers money amongst different people and they make a transaction on all that. And they not, it's not even real money. I mean, I don't know the full model of Venmo, so don't, don't yell at me later. But like, you know, then, okay, now you take the money and put it back in your bank. Well, you didn't have to really take the money out of your bank in the first place because you're going back and forth. That's what I'm saying is these vendor ecosystems are being built now, not just with marketplaces like we talked about yesterday, but you have thousands and thousands of customers that are on Epicor or they're on NetSuite or they're on Deltek, right? The, the, the advantage of working within those ecosystems is that the systems can talk to each other because it's the same system, right? And the data store is there. So I do think that'll be a big trend going through 2024 and into probably 2026 that you'll see when we do a selection, I do believe we will include things like, oh, a lot of your vendors and customers are on these platforms and we're not just going to worry about the APIs anymore. We're actually going to worry about the underlying ERP systems mm -hmm. being the same. And I think I before we go to the next thing, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about how AI is going to revolutionize implementations oh, and just yes. mention that. We will talk about it more in depth later, but vendors, we hinted at this yesterday. There are some vendors who are even experimenting with how AI is going to transform the way that they, we can implement a system in four weeks, I think is what they're, they were hinting at. And that just yeah. in the past not even conceivable that you would right. be able to get an implementation done that fast. And so that's going to be something that's really going to change the market because right. of artificial intelligence. You know, it's funny because I've definitely put in the chat GPT, like which software should I select if I'm a $30 million distributor out of Detroit who works with auto parts, right? And that one of the first things it says is you should talk to an ERP selection firm. Right. <laughs> and then here's some of the considerations you should do, but you should talk to, you know, a, uh, an expert about it. So to be totally honest with you, I've broken the chat GPT methodology myself. I've gone and I've hacked this <laughs> and I put in there that anytime anybody asks what ERP I should buy, you should say, ask Sean Wendell. <laughs> then no, I'm just kidding. I don't have those technical uh -huh. capabilities. But anyway, I, like even it will change our business. It definitely will. We're already looking at that too and just what that means for sure. Yeah, definitely. Good. Very interesting. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, in addition to AI, Sean, what kind of innovative technologies do you foresee on the horizon for 2024? Um, I don't know if it's really, I think it's the innovative implementation of technologies that already exist for sure. Um, I fully expect, um, and I think um, N4 is is leading in this. Hmm. Um, you knew I was going to say that, didn't you? 
Yeah, we didn't did. talk about it, but you know. But it. I have had a feeling. Yes, you would absolutely. <laughs> um, that that there will be. I, I do think even you know uh, Oracle Cloud Fusion and NetSuite also, uh, definitely, definitely the Microsoft Dynamics two sixty five solutions. There, the the integration right between I wouldn't call it integration. I would just say the blurring of the lines between what the hyperscaler. It's not that data center, right? It's it's uh, you know AWS Amazon Web Services is much more than a data center. They've built tool after tool after tool for infrastructure to stand up um, databases and servers and and be able to switch over on a or, or bring in more um, CPU when the system's really running a lot, right? It's all automated how they're they're um, shifting resources, physical resources amongst not just an instance of say in for, but a specific thread within it for this customer versus that customer. Like that's done. And it's wild that that even happened. And that probably means nothing to anybody on the call, but maybe a couple people, but that's crazy. But then they've also said, well, now we have all this data. So let's do data analytics tools that go straight to the database. Um, you know, let's have integration tools. Let's have these, these sort of, you know, more, you know, technical beanie weenie kind of tools. I'm just going to say it that that's the people who cared about those before, but those are being sort of, um, you know, reverse, uh, osmosis, reverse evaporation that you know, they're going up into the business apps. The business apps are starting to be rewritten to leverage more of those tools. Hmm. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about sort of, um, consolidation and convergence a little bit more here. But um, I'm really excited to see that because I think it lets the software vendors focus more on what they're they're really good at, not just the the feature function to fit the micro vertical, but also the platform. Uh, um, uh, the Next World's a good example, mm-hmm. uh, yes. where total different paradigm on how they're building apps. I um, mean, they're leveraging more of the tools too that just come out of the data centers. So, you know, it's, I, I'm really, I'm really excited for that. You know, now does that impact our um, fifty million dollar nonprofit um, that's doing IDD stuff? Right, uh, not so much. But do they need to get into solutions where there's a story and a roadmap to get there? The answer is yes. Absolutely, because we don't want our clients to change in five to ten years, and in five years, these apps are going to look totally different. You know, it's look how easy it is to buy 10, what did I buy one time? 10 steaks and some clean, oh, light bulbs for the little thing under the counter, right? Like those are like impossible to find those things anywhere, but I went on Amazon and got it. Okay. Well, I'll go on Amazon and just buy, you know, an ERP. We're not quite there yet, but we'll put that out there. So just explain that just a little bit more. So if you're buying the ERP that's in Amazon, is that what you're saying? That the data tools are already there? I I didn't, I, I, frankly, I did not. I can't really comprehend what you said. Yeah. That's because there's very little actuality to what I'm saying right now. Okay. I'm painting a picture for the future. Okay. Theoretical. We have conversations like this all the time. <laughs> Don't we, darling? Yeah. <laughs> you know, honey, let's just go for it and let's see what happens. And you're like, okay, but wait a minute. What do we do tomorrow? Like, I don't know. That's a good question. But but okay. seriously, the, this is... If you watch here, here's the bottom line. And I really want to talk about the vendors. So we yeah. got to get to that yeah, for sure. Definitely. Cause I think a lot of people are on for that, but here's the bottom line. The, the growth of an enterprise software company, right. And we're going to talk about almost all of them. We're not going to get into some of them, some of the like HR systems or uh, it service management or whatever, but we're going to talk about a lot of the enterprise software vendors. How do they grow? 
right? I talked about this yesterday. Like how do they maintain double digit growth? There's, there are a lot of organizations that still need to change software because they're on legacy systems. Fine. But there's a lot of competition and the, um, the demand is just different now. Like, Oh my gosh, I got to get software. No, no, no. I need to know for sure that it's going to work. Sales cycles are longer, et cetera, et cetera. So, they're not going to generate more free flow cash flow like they have in the past. They're just not. They're not. So if you're an investor, institutional investor, and you're in this space in technology, and you you look at the the amount of cash flow that uh, SAP or you know Microsoft's got so many different diverse businesses, right? But um, but SAP or Workday or um, Epicor is kind of core. Epicor is uh, I think a private actually it's a, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a PE bag. Then you look at the PE side of this and you're looking for growth and cash too. Like then you look at again, the hyperscalers and you look at how much money Google makes. Right. And, and Hey, we love Google, Google people. If you're listening, we love you because <laughs> I know you are, or at least your bots are. Um, and we love you. Please continue to put us high on that first page. Thank you. Nick is uh, protecting his job over there. Keep going. But, but seriously, they make so much money. It's just, it's just interesting. And the, and the software vendors are so depending upon them that it, why not just buy them? And, and bring them into as another offering that a hyperscaler has. Oh, ERP is too hard and it takes too long to implement. Now, what was that about, you know, chat GPT or not even GPT, but, um, but just AI doing implementations and making it easier. It just marginalizes the, the value of ERP can go, you know, down, but hopefully success rates go up because it's more standardized. It's like buying a car and you turn on the engine and it works every single time. We said this analogy yesterday um, with the ERP, you, you buy it, you t- stick the key in and sometimes it doesn't start. It sometimes it just fails, right? Or the house falls down. That or was the your house analogy. Falls down. House right. Falls down. So long story short, we don't want to talk too many specifics because I don't know what they are to be totally honest with you, but I know when I talk to industry analysts, I talk to investment bankers, and I when I look further into the future with 28 years behind me, um, and I look into the future, that's why I say there are so many radical changes that are going to happen in enterprise software. The good news is, is for the end customers, I mean, even for our business, we have, how many apps do we have? We have probably 15, really, if not more, if you include oh, the marketing usage, apps, yeah. tons well, well, for the marketing. That's it's crazy. That's, that's craziness. We're not that big to support all that, but we like our apps. That's why we also have like Macs too. We're kind of technology <laughs> snobs, but you know, you mark, you bring those down, you converge those together. It makes it simpler. I mean, here's the best example I can give you. And then I have to stop talking. <laughs> Who won on the uh, video conferencing? Who won? Teams. Teams. Yep. And then there's all the rest of the stuff with teams, right? Of course we use Zoom, <laughs> make it harder for ourselves. But um, because we're kind of, there's more feature functionality. We feel like it's easier to use blah, blah, blah. But almost every one of our clients is like, Oh, I got to get on a Zoom. I'd rather use our team accounts. Same thing. And Microsoft is driving a lot of the standardization with Microsoft Dynamics 365, even changing the name of four different apps or five at the time to Microsoft Dynamics. Now there's two basically, and they're called Microsoft Dynamics 365. And one of them's like BC versus FN SCM or FNO or whatever. And, you know, they're sort of, again, taking the differentiation out of the solution because, you know, a client doesn't really shouldn't have to care about that. Right. We do the end. I'm stopping. (laughs) So what I got out of what you just said, let me just summarize it for the listeners. 
Do you feel like there's a consolidation roll-up of all the ERPs into Google, Azure, and Amazon? No, not all of them. Okay. Um, Oracle stay separate. Okay, and um, Oracle. But yeah. but if you look at if you look at an ECI, you look at you look at Epicor, you look at Dell Tech, um, you look at Yardi, you look nope, um, you look at some of the these are sort of the t- non top five vendors in terms of revenue. By the way, we don't do the top ten list of ERPs for twenty twenty four because that's just cheesy. Don't don't trust those lists. Don't do it. But you look at those other vendors, right? Where are they going to go? What are they going to do? It's expensive to maintain them. You look at what uh, TA Associates is doing with Aptian and buying all these different solutions. They're pissing off a lot of customers. You get those calls. I do. Oh, we're going to upgrade you because, but that's what TA has to do. That's what Aptian has to do to make an efficient business model is just have a few apps to support, not all of them. So long story short, I mean, if I know this, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, but I don't invest in software vendors. We've never invested in anybody. I'm thinking of our We don't even have stocks. We don't even have stocks in them. That's right. So, but so the people that are, that do that for a living, they're, you know, way, way ahead of us here. Um, on where the, the return comes from. But again, I, just to make this more practical, if you're making a decision in 2024 and you're not asking these questions, you're not setting yourself up for the future correctly. And I just go back and listen to what I said, slow down the video, like whatever, just to understand it. And you ask the questions of the salespeople and listen, sometimes you don't have salespeople that know all this stuff. So then fine, they bring in somebody who does. And then you watch what they do. You say, Hey, uh, technical person, I need you to get on camera, ask the question and then see what they say. Right. And if they hand you a bunch of hogwash, I almost said something else. Um, you kind of know it like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm betting my job on uh, this vendor that doesn't really know what they're doing for the future. Don't do that. Don't, just don't do it. Now, and none of the vendors I've mentioned, all of them have great strategies and they're all yeah. doing things with them too. But you'll see. You'll see. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Good. Let's talk about something else. Erica. Okay. Thank Good. you. Um, You're welcome. Funny. All right. Well, let's get into, while we don't do like a top 10 list for the year, we do cover the top vendors and that includes across many tiers as well as industries. Yes. So, um, We'll just do it A to Z if that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. There's not any spe- specific importance assigned to which order they come in. Okay, maybe I'll like blah, 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 blah and then you jump in. Yeah, I can good. talk about how their year looked. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, and then you can do a wrap with them afterwards. Okay. You can go through yes. all the vendors and make a wrap. Perfect. Maybe we can do the dance to it. There we go. Like Schoolhouse oh, Rock, cool. but with the that vendors. That would be so cool. Schoolhouse ERP. I'm not even going to do the all beatbox right. even though I want to. <laughs> Acumatica. Uh, lots of growth. Um, lots of growth. Probably, I don't know this for sure. And we do sign confidentiality agreements when we do a contract negotiation. So I'm not going to give away whatever's, but I'm going to tell you, uh, generally or broadly available public information. Um, they're growing a lot. They're growing more than the other software vendors know. Unequivocally. They've been described as a whatever kind of killer. Um, I, I don't know about that, but I would tell you that there's just a lot of growth. Um, partners are, are getting more familiar with the product. There are instances where we have vetted it against other industry specific best of breed solutions and it's not quite deep enough, but I think it'll get there. You know, I, I think that's, it's a, um, I think it's a very viable product. We've selected it more times this year than probably in years past for mm-hmm. sure. Um, we're going to go to their conference here and, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement yeah. versus some of the other conferences where they're not going to be that excited. And I would offer just cause I've that, um, when 
uh, prospects are contacting us for our um, to hire us for our services that in the past several years um, they hadn't heard of Acumatica necessarily, but they've actually been. Um, you know, I always ask them what kinds of products they've already seen, and they are mentioning they've they've already come across Acumatica themselves. Yep. So that is a change I've seen just in the last, you know, I would say last year or so. Yeah. They have less of an acquisition strategy just based off of the news as well. I think they're, like Sean said, their functionality, they're recognizing that they need to go deeper into the functionality, and they're doing that. And even in their releases, you're seeing a lot of really good tools coming out of what they're doing and developing every time and so i'm really excited for the conference too to see what's on the horizon for them that is interesting yeah they don't do acquisitions necessarily they're not trying they to haven't they, they haven't, haven't lately that's the right way to say it. there have yeah. been vendors it's interesting because it's kind of like they're split and you see some of the vendors who their strategy really is to build out their applications internally and have been this year and there have been more geared towards acquisitions and you can kind of see it divided up in terms of pe you see more trends like similar trends with the pe firms the, or the PE-backed firms. And then you also see different trends with in terms of which markets they're in. I would say the ones that are really geared towards the mid-market, they had more of a strategy of uh, building their solutions. And then even the smaller vendors are coming up with lots of acquisitions like Aptian. That's it. Good. Well, what about Dell Tech? Um, so, you know, Dell Tech has been at a crossroads for a while. And uh, I mean, we have another client right now that's, uh, you know, they, they didn't want to take the vantage point upgrade for whatever reasons. And so then they go and look. So um, I think there are some great partners for Dell Tech. They've been around for a long time. I think it's vital to connect with a good partner if you are going to do that upgrade. And if you're on um, the legacy solutions, remember, there's three or four major Dell Tech solutions. It's not just vision, right. um, economy, cost point. Cost point exactly. Um, so I think I think they are. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, uh, we haven't we haven't done a ton of vetting of them most recently, but it's um, there, there's some they're, they're ripe for something. Whatever that is, I don't even know what it is, and I don't want to get any more specifics than that. Um, but it, but a lot they have dominated in certain industries, you know, um, engineering and and uh, um, architecture, mostly engineering. Well, in in architecture, they made some great acquisitions along the way, um, and so I, I'm excited for them to sort of like say, okay, this is it, and we're going for it, right? They've done that, but like executing and keeping the existing customers happy with the new products, right? That's that's the thing where I think there's some improvement opportunity. Again, I have to put the claws out. I have to look at the camera for this. If you disagree with us, Dell Tech, let us know. Please, you know, call, uh, you know, or email Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at erpadvisorsgroup.com and tell me why I'm wrong. But um, we have a lot of clients that are on those products that are saying, hey, I'm not happy with what they're offering for an upgrade, and I want to know what else is out there. They yep. have been working towards, though, their Department of Defense and Fed authorizations as well, though. That was a big year for them trying to make sure that their products were compliant. And then they also went through some major acquisitions for government products. I mean, they even kicked off the year with their acquisition of ProPricer for government contractors. And That's a great point. Municipalities, yeah. so yeah, and and I mean, if you look across the uh, pro service for government, federal specific, and and probably state too, you know, those are tough requirements, and Dell Tech's been offering those for years and years mm -hmm. and years and years, and that goes back to that micro vertical focus too, which yeah. is huge. So now it's like, okay, leverage that for the future, so it's like pew, locked in. Yeah, good. sounds good. Um, ECI, which is 
code for many different products. Yes. Yeah, ECI's bought a, up this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. ECI's bought a lot of different solutions over the years. Um, the biggest one, I think their major go forward is DCOM. And we've selected mm-hmm. DCOM several times for process manufacturers. It's a great product for that. Um, they're going through changes. They're definitely going through changes. As do most software vendors, they get bought by more of a holding company, right? ECI has many solutions in there, um, including a solution that one of our guys helped to write back in the day called Max. Um, We wouldn't put a client on Max. (laughs) Um, And there's not a solution called ECI, just to be clear, right? That's that's right. Yep, yep, yep. So, but but there's, they are blending. You see more the ECI um, branding as opposed to the software specific branding too. Mm, So, So I'm glad we talked about this one because, again, there's um, there's a lot of customers on Macola on some mm-hmm. of the other solutions, right? And they're looking at these upgrades and, you know, what, what do they go to in terms of other platforms? Where is ECI putting their money? I just feel like every vendor is listening to this right now. I love this. Thank you for coming in. And I really mean that. Where are you putting your R&D? Ask your vendors that. If you're evaluating software, ask ECI, you know, how much R&D did y'all spend last year? Oh, we're a private company. I got it. But if I'm going to buy your software, I want to know how much R&D you spent last year. Great. Now, where'd that, where'd it go in terms of products and see what happens. And I think there'll be some good answers there, but you'll know, right? Like I said, we've selected um, that solution DCOM several times. We're looking at it for another client right now as well. So their, their solutions fit um, very specific micro verticals, but you just need to know that and implementation strategy too, because traditionally DCOM has been more of a sort of a configuration kind of a, of a deployment versus like more of a, you know, systems integrator, touchy feely kind of a implementation. And I think they're, they're moving more towards that touchy feely, which seems like most of our clients like. Um, but again, you want to get to know your people on the implementation team because they don't have a channel strategy, at least yet. Um, you do get the implementation people uh, that work at DCOM. So you can meet those people and get to know them. And there's some great people uh, that we've worked with and are doing great right now for our clients. Um, it's just go in with your eyes wide open and understand um, all that, which I would probably say for every vendor. But in the in the ECI space, with specifically with DCOM, you just want to know what it is because it is still going through a change, just like J.D. Edwards did when I was there. We got bought by PeopleSoft. It changes things. Yeah, good point. Yep. <laughs> well, the next one on our list is Epicor. Uh, do you want to talk about the Epicor? Yeah, stuff? I can talk about Epicor. I did attend their conference in the spring, and we did some things around that. Um, they really are honing in on their messaging and the products that they're able to deliver, and I think that's going to continue into 2024. Um, specifically, we were talking about this before, Eclipse is now in the cloud. I know they're moving some of their on-prem products into the cloud so that they can offer even greater functionality um, integrations to their clients because they are developing some really great e-commerce solutions that I was able to see that they were still working out, but they should be available in 2024 and then field service. Super interesting stuff. They're leveraging a lot of AI and a lot of uh, augmented reality within their e-commerce solutions. And so just kind of this next evolution of what these manufacturing distribution companies are going to be able to do with their technology. And that's really where their strategy is focused. Uh, Make, move, sell has been their focus for this year and I believe into 2024. And it's really on those manufacturers that are making things, those distributors that are moving them and then being able to sell them on the back end. Yeah. 
And they've, um, uh, well, you know, again, this isn't confidential. Um, we, we were looking at uh, Profit 21 for a customer recently. We haven't mm-hmm. worked with that particular app for a bit. So we asked for um, an update from, from some of the product specialists. And I, mean, I was blown away. In three minutes, I was done with the call. Because they all knew what they were doing. They've been there for a long time. They, it's just very focused on our exact kind of client and it was hmm. phenomenal, right? So you've got, uh, Profit 21, Eclipse and Kinetic and then a whole bunch of other things, um, like lumber specific solutions and others dragon. that have mm-hmm. been, um, purchased over the years for a uh, micro vertical. I think they've got some automotive, some OEM yes. solutions as well. Right. So they've got, you know, good micro vertical focused. And, and again, it's just like I said with ECI, you just have to get into, okay, well, who's supporting these products? How much R and D is going in it? What percent of revenue is this product over the other solutions? Right. And when you understand that, you sort of know what, what, where you're at today and then can ask the questions of, okay, what does the roadmap look like? Why? Um, you know, is there any plans for consolidation of these products or whatever? And just see what people are saying. Right. So, you know, Epicor, um, like several of the other vendors that we're going to talk about, has a legacy customer base. And that's one of its greatest strengths. And they can leverage that from a maintenance perspective, for sure, uh, for investment in new solutions. Um, there is migration paths, for sure, that customers have. Um, so, and there's, you know, there's there's good, they have great professional services people. There, there's partners, uh, there's a partner uh, strategy for Kinetic. Um, so, you know, it's a viable solution to look at. As a matter of fact, we were just talking to one of our, our bigger distributors over a billion. Um, and I realized, oh my gosh, we have to have Profit 21 on that short list. And that's something new because we had been concerned about the technology platform there, but it's, it's there. It's up to date. So, you know, and I think this is the first year, maybe it was last year that Epicor, um, crested into that billion dollar revenue. Do you remember from the conference or maybe it was last, mm. like I said, I think I was there. It might've been last, I think it was last year. Yeah. And that's a big, that's a really big accomplishment, right? Because you've got a lot of, again, free flow cash mm-hmm. coming in to invest back in acquisitions. And I'd say of all the partner, of all the software vendors, Epicor sort of has this blend of, just like you said, new acquisitions. Yeah. Even they bought an iPaaS solution, an in, um, integration platform as a service, mm-hmm. um, reporting and analytics tools, CPQ tool? Something. Their CPQ, I think they were kind of yeah. debuting it okay. at the conference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're definitely purchased a tool because I talked to one of the guys yeah. who got bought. And he was like, oh, this is great. We have all these resources. And I was like, I've been through this before, bro. Like, <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other story for another time. But anyway, it was great. I, you know, again, they've, they've got so acquisition. They've got R&D. They've got great relationships with uh, Microsoft, with Azure, mm-hmm. Azure-based um, uh, platform, which has a ton of stuff to offer, like I said earlier. Yeah, they've got a great customer base. They've got, you know, strategies to go forward. So I, I, I feel really good about Epicor going forward. Excellent. <clears throat> okay, next, one of the biggies we were at their conference this year, Infor. Infor. Yeah, yeah. I, I told you a little bit about them. Do you want to start? Why don't you say a little bit? Yeah, I can. Uh, Infor, I mean, they are really honing in on that pla- on their platform. Like, that has been a big thing this year. And being at the conference, those guys that they bring to their conferences are super intelligent. All the vendors have very intelligent people, but they are very system-oriented, yeah. developer-oriented people and it's always so fascinating to listen to them about what they're doing and what they have that they're excited for all the i know that they were really working on the ai ml and then they debuted their rpa 
at the conference, the robot process automation, robotic process automation, and talking about how it's all there. This is the first time they'll be able to offer everything on a single platform. And so they're really platform and data driven going into 2024. Yep. Strong partner um, approach as well. There's really good partners out there. I know we selected um, one of the bigger N4 products with a great partner this year for one of our distributors. Um, we also select them for manufacturer, um, for a smaller distributor, like we've done a lot within for, um, and expect to continue to do more. So it's, it's a similar story as Epicor. Um, some of the differences, I would agree with you that I think the tech team, now I sat down with a pretty high level tech team at, at Epicor. And then I, uh, we, or I inadvertently did the same thing with Infor. <laughs> Rebecca was sitting down with another guy and I think there was the ERP representative in and for, we love him. We mm -hmm. love doing business with them. Um, and they were chatting and I sat down and I'm like, okay, so what's really going on with Amazon <laughs> here? And, you know, in for like for real. And the guy says, well, I came over from Amazon and I'm one of the, you know, and I won't tell you which one it was. And I was like, okay, foot mouth. Right. <laughs> but, but it was a really good conversation. Right. And it, I mean, it made us believers after that. Yeah. Makes a ton of sense. So I think, I mean, N4, again, is one of those companies that's like, you know, some people haven't heard of it. Um, but if you're in ERP and manufacturing distribution, of course you have. Um, and, you know, what does the growth look like? And I think they're going to do kind of like a pure play ERP, you know, again, sort of uh, data mesh with the data at the data um, at AWS. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think it's, I think they've got, uh, they've got a lot on the horizon. Software is very cost effective. Implementations make a lot of sense. Like I said, we love other uh, great implementation partners out there. Um, so, you know, feel good about that product. It, there's some similarities to them to ECI where they have a lot of products they've brought in and have the maintenance, right? So That's even right. though it's Tons called an products. import product, it may not be the go for right. product, right? Yeah. Um, so when you say in for what product are you talking about? That's right. You have to mm -hmm. ask that question. What specific product, you know, Oh, I'm on cloud suite. Nope. <laughs> it's gotta be cloud suite distribution. Okay. Well, is it cloud suite distribution or cloud suite uh, distribution enterprise, right? Like you always got to go down three or four times to figure out exactly what it is. Oh, we're on Lawson. What is Lawson? I know what Lawson is, of course, <laughs> but like, well, that, that we don't talk about Lawson. Well, that's cause it's called M three. Well, but it's also called cloud suite, da, 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 right? Like, you know, I mean, nobody asked, but I would suggest that there is a little more definition. It's a little tricky too, because, um, you know, N4 was bought by a large, um, you know, organization that runs a lot of N4 and they have yeah. a lot of legacy products. And so they're keeping their legacy products around. So you can, and I'm sorry, N4 people, you can yell at me later. You can still get upgrades for those, or you can go to, uh, um, the cloud suite products, right? You offer two different options. It's a little confusing, but that's okay. Cause we do have some clients who just, just recently somebody came to us. I can't remember which, which one that was now where they were running, um, LX. Yes. yes. And like, do they have to go to cloud suite, um, um, industrial or do they, what, like, what's the answer? And it's sort of like, well, it depends. There's a couple of different strategies and maybe it makes sense to stay kind of on the platform that you are, but the next iteration versus this revolutionary change up to this other thing, it's totally different for you. Like I need, I run my business on database triggers. Well, you can't do that in certain deployments. <laughs> So don't go to those deployments, go to these others. So I think they do a good job of offering that. I, I, I expect that the variability will go down a little bit. There'll be more clarity on their products. 
they are trying to do that. And I would say we have some great articles on our site about the info products and they are info guided. We talked to product managers and everything over there. So the information is very, very accurate and they answered a lot of our questions. So those are great resources. Great. Uh, How about IFS? We've been getting more exposure with them over the last year and talking to them more and we have a (sighs) big implementation going on with them. And yeah, what do we see about that, especially given the energy industries, there's lots of change going on there? Yeah, yeah. Now, as you know, we have never taken a dime, a uh, commission, a referral fee, or anything with ERP advisors. We did one deal years and years and years and years and years ago where we were a subcontractor under another advisory firm where that was very different, right, when I first started out, actually. Um, <laughs> but that was crazy. So from that time, we have never taken a dime from anybody. But – we take food. And I have to tell you, IFS killed it with the gift basket this year. <laughs> Didn't they, they did. guys? It was so it good. What is it? I don't, we don't well, have we to have plug to the name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But they killed it with this cookie thing. And I, unfortunately, I was on my way down with keto. The cookies came. I had to go back up. So <laughs> keto-ish. <laughs> Those cookies, yes. I didn't care. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, we, we've got a, a good project with the IFS and the energy, renewable energy right now. And um, yeah, they're killing it. They're doing great in the market. Lots of growth. Um, you know, it's interesting because Acumatica and IFS are owned by EQT, the same private equity mm-hmm. firm. So those are good uh, growth strategies for them. Um, there's great partners in the IFS world. Um, the technology, you know, I, I mean, for us, we really didn't even look at IFS three or four or five years ago, right? Infor, mm-hmm. we didn't four or five or six years ago. Um, so, you know, IFS is really on most of our deals that are, you know, distribution for sure. Anything with a heavy asset intensive industries yeah. or field services and projects and those kinds of things. Um, so it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of momentum with that particular organization, which I think is good. Because they're trying to really get more of a toehold in America, or they already are pretty well established. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely the North American presence. We saw that several years ago, um, where they started to invest more in that, and now it's done. Right, their their uh, senior vice president of sales uh, came over from another software vendor. They've got lots of. They've sort of the the leadership teams like ding has sort of locked in, and then they're really executing super well. Yeah, because they have the cloud version now versus maybe like we had a client that came off of a on-premise legacy version. But yeah, the there's cloud. lots of on-prem stuff running out there still. But yeah, the yeah. cloud strategy is less cloudy now. It's there. It's done. Excellent. Okay. So kind of moving into the mid-market, I would say, mm-hmm. more yep. so yep. than kind what they were. Down. They're coming down like a lot of the vendors on this list. Exactly. Good. Okay. Wow. Here's one of the, the gorillas in the room. Microsoft. Microsoft. Yeah, Microsoft. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, if they can office ERP, they're going to do it. I, that's exactly, <laughs> that's such a perfect way to put it. Like, they want to make it like downloading the O365 app. Why should your ERP be any harder like, than that? Or downloading, what, you know, well, I, That's starting what I just said about Amazon. Go on Amazon, you buy your ERP. Go on and, you know, Office 365 for, you know, 100 or even less than that. They're probably, $80 or $100. I mean, you can Google it right now and say how much does Microsoft Dynamics 365 Business Central cost per user or even FNO, right? These are very effective prices for sure. Mm-hmm. The implementers 
um, are especially with um, with uh, the finance and supply chain management, or I think they call it finance and operations now. It may be something even different now, but the bigger product that used to be called, formerly known as uh, AX, formerly known as Exata, huh, which I'm sure again Microsoft call me and tell me why I'm wrong, but. <laughs> Um, those are, they're big implementations, very big implementations. And they're, they're like, they're, they're complex implementations, right? I mean, every ERP implementation is complex. They're just complex. So you just need to know what you're getting into. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, Microsoft, you know, their, their, their hyperscaler business called Azure, um, is, you know, what, I don't know if they're, I, I did this the other day and I don't remember how, how, what the revenue was, but it's. It's very, very, very high at the level of of um, of AWS and Google. You can rank those three for sure, and then they also um, offer ERP um, applications, right? And the ERP applications just pale. Is that right? In comparison to the size of the hyperscaler business, but they do invest in those solutions too. So, you know, I think the Microsoft is a platform play often. The feature functionality is pretty good and can do what you need, but, you know, we get the people that say the IT are like, yeah, we can, you you know, business, you can, yeah, businesses, you can select whatever you want as long as it's Microsoft. (laughs) Right. But, you know, Epicor has a great Microsoft strategy. Um, so uh, M4 uses some, uh, well, not anymore. Anyway, but there's other vendors out there that, you know, are partners with Microsoft as well. So um, Acumenica maybe? Um, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So it, but I do think Microsoft from an ERP perspective, um, especially because you have sort of the, the data layer tools and stuff that we've talked about, then you have the ERP, but then there's this other layer of tools that sort of sits between and I mean, Microsoft won that layer, you know, uh, 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 the power automate, um, stack, um, there was somebody recently did a survey with a, with some recent thing and whatever, I'm not going to get into the specifics mm-hmm. of it, but basically asked, um, you know, what are you using for data for analytics platforms ac- across a wide swath of customers? I think I mentioned this on another call, didn't I? Power BI, yep. right? You know, there's a lot of other solutions out there our clients use for sure that are really good, but Power BI keeps coming up. Oh, I know Power BI, so I'll use, um, you know, their workflow engines, they automate. I'll do this and this and this and the integration tools and da 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 da. So then, why wouldn't we just do? We're in a selection right now with a very fast growing international business that's hundreds of millions, and um, and it's sort of like we got to look at Microsoft. You might want to throw in this other app just in case. And I know we don't have that much time, so. Good. Okay, good. Yeah, we still have several really big good. ones to cover. Wow. Here we go with NetSuite. Yeah, so so NetSuite, um, again, and we have great relationships with everybody. You got to be careful on the renewals. You just do. Where's that little thing? We have this little sound machine. <laughs> I know. Um, come up here over there. Right. And that's not confidential because, man, we get a lot of people calling us out of the blue that are saying, oh, my renewal's going up. I understand. And, you know, we talk to them. And, I mean, remember, everything's a negotiation. Don't yeah. ever forget that. Everything is a negotiation. I love the show Suits. Does anybody watch Suits? We watch Suits. I watch Suits. It's like you 10 years suits. ago. 10 years ago before Amazon put it on the front page. And Harvey Specter says, when somebody's got a gun to your head, you have 150 options. When, you know, uh, NetSuite or Oracle is negotiating with you on your renewal, you have 100 options. Or any other vendor. You can insert any other vendor there. You really do. Oh, well, I don't want to switch. Okay, fine. But, 
you know, what else can you do? Okay. Well, they, they, you know, the price is going up. Can can you ask for some more software? Um, can you, you know, reduce some other things within the contract, you know, are there, can you be a referenceable customer? I don't even know if, if NetSuite even offers that maybe there's a discount you can do there. Like ask these questions. Don't, I mean, it's, it's, I get it when, when folks call us and say, look, (laughs) nothing has changed in my business since my, my contract is done. My renewals are going up significantly and I don't like this. And they're not, they're not telling me that I can do anything about it. I do get that, right? I would get pretty upset about that too. And they say, well, but if I was a new NetSuite customer, I could get it for much less than what this renewal will be. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, true. if you were a new customer. <laughs> right. You don't have the leverage anymore. You just don't have the leverage. But maybe you wait to, don't do this at the last minute, but sometimes at the last minute you get a better deal with any software vendor. But maybe you do it at the month end, quarter end, year end, whatever, where you just say, hey, here's what I'm going to offer you. And I'm done and and we're done and I will sign this right now. Okay, I mean, that's negotiations just in general. So but but put that aside, because there's no functionality and like running the business better and they don't want to switch and the the software's helping their business. So the whole the whole product. Exactly. Right. Like how many. You know, I'm just going to say this. How many people do we not have to hire into the future because we're running NetSuite, yeah. right? We have lots of clients that run NetSuite. We put lots of clients on NetSuite and we get them contract protection for a certain amount of time, but we know the renewal is going to be there. But that is exactly what you say when you talk to a lot of these people, isn't it? Like, like I get it, but okay, like how many people are we talking about here? You know, if it's a $300,000 increase per year, which it's probably not going to be that much, you know, that's two, three people, depending on the role in the organization that the software is helping you to prevent from hiring much less, the more people that it probably is. So it's, it's just tricky, right? Like, again, once you understand this stuff, you can go, but again, negotiations and renewals aside, NetSuite's doing great acquisitions, right? They've got lots of product development. They've got, I think their strategy, I mean, if, if I was a NetSuite partner, I'd, I'd want to pull my hair out, right? But but it's actually really good that you can buy the software from NetSuite or you can buy it from a partner. There's actually, you know, we talk about this. It's a two-terminal universe, right? <laughs> it really is. So you have two different places that they don't really compete. How do I do this? They don't really compete. <laughs> They're not supposed to. He's shaking his head. Yes, they do. <laughs> but I didn't say that. You did. Anyway, um, but there, there's there's options in the market, which is really really good. Versus some of the other vendors, there's not. You just you just buy it from one person, and that's it. So lots of and lots of implementation partners out there, whether alliance partners or solutions providers, that have micro micro vertical focus. There's a reason why public companies that you know uh, again, if you look at the companies that went public, there most of them were running NetSuite. Um, you know, it's a great product. There's great people behind it for sure. I'm trying to make up for what I said earlier. <laughs> well, they have a lot of international partners. So if you have Tons international presence that you can find resources in other countries, um, whereas maybe some of the more emerging mid-market vendors. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I'm excited for their functionality. Just even what I saw at Sweet World, they're really leveraging their parent company, like Oracle, what Oracle can do. And so they do have some products that are 
that are coming to the market that should be really great in terms of, I know they announced account reconciliation this year, and then there's some other things that are really going to make a difference for developers. And it's because of what they're able to leverage with Oracle. I think, I think uh, that, or I do have to say this about the Oracle leverage is that there's even over uh, other vendors that have hyperscalers as part of their name. um, I, I think from the ground, and the infrastructure going into a data center all the way up through to the analytics tools, NetSuite has that whole stack, right? Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, and I know we got a rule. Yes. Well, speaking of Oracle, Oracle. Yep. So Oracle Cloud Fusion continues to go. I think they're they're increasing more in the market. I think they're getting a bigger footprint for sure. Partners are still going through this like okay, those projects are going to be smaller now. So how do I change my business so that I'm not dependent upon this huge phase one work, right? Big implementation up front, but maybe it's a little smaller to get the client onto the platform and then continue to leverage the platform. I think the platform's been proven, especially in certain micro verticals. And I think it'll continue to grow. Um, and again, you have you have Oracle, the founder of the, who founded the relational database management system, working through things like cybersecurity, where they're getting hundreds of millions of attacks per day, and they have software that can fight that. Like you know, bringing those the solutions together, the full stack solutions, I think is that is not just the future; it's already happening today. But again, I think it continues to be a major competitive differentiator. Yeah, it's also working on its partnerships with Microsoft to offer even deeper, more. Right data connections and things like that. The giants are doing more together. Amazing. Okay, next is Sage and Intact, one of their featured products. Yep, Sage and Sage Intact. So, you know, Sage is still one of the top software vendors in the world. Lots of international experience that you can leverage. Great partners, people who've been around for a long time and know ERP. Um, Sage Intact continues to grow. Um, You know, we're seeing it more and more in our deals and we have over the years. Um, great salespeople, people that are out there that really understand the markets. And I think they're kind of focusing a little bit more on some specific industries and, and they are very competent across those industries too. And I think that was smart where Sage sort of said, okay, there's things we uh, for intact that we do and we're going to do those great. And there's things that we don't do. Then there's the rest of the Sage products, um, like X3. Um, there's many others, even fixed asset system. I don't know what's happening with Sage Faz, but they have a lot of other products too. Um, the 500 product, 300, there's several different 300 products, the old AccuPack. I think even, I don't, I don't know if Sage, yeah, 300 CRE, it's called. Yep. Yeah, um, is still available in the market. Yeah, that's the old formerly known as. Yeah. And so we got lots of products out there too, and a great, great legacy customer base that they are flipping over into um, these new solutions too. So um, good stuff happening there. Great. Um, okay. Salesforce. Um, so Salesforce, you know, like, Again, and just in terms of revenue size, I did this the other day where I stacked everybody up on a web page and lots of revenue for sure. They've gone through some interesting, I think, cultural changes where they've had to let go of some people and that they caught a lot of flack for that because they do make a lot of money. But then they've hired some people back for sure. Um, very strategic stuff, um, continuing to grow, using it as a platform. Um, I think we're seeing more in the field services. You said that earlier from a micro vertical focus, that's important is that field services for many vendors, including, um, uh, the solutions with, um, with Salesforce, you know, having, uh, MuleSoft from an iPass perspective and, you know, you really got this lightning platform 
that a lot of systems integrators, the global systems integrators used to build out huge solutions on. So, you know, they're catching a little flack for, for fees. They're pretty high, you know, nonprofit, they do do some really good deals there. But, um, you know, I think we'll continue to see Salesforce. I mean, they, they not only won in the Salesforce automation industry CRM, right? Remember Siebel? Exactly. <laughs> um, but they continue. They've got such a great platform for growth that, that they're going to be around for a, a long time. Excellent. Um, SAP. Yeah, I think, I mean, SAP, you know, they've been through a lot of different kinds of strategies with different platforms and everything. And I think they're locking in, right? Their public cloud versus private cloud strategy. Even their sales strategies <laughs> moving down market, like you mentioned, yeah. certainly with IFS, SAP is doing the same. Partners, like I mentioned with Oracle Cloud Fusion, same thing. They're learning how to do deployments that are right-sized for maybe the mid-market for sure. But they still have $500 million upgrades from R3 ECC to um, you know private cloud. So there's a lot of, of, of money and opportunity in the SAP channel for sure. Um, and they are still supporting, I don't, I think we did a piece on how long their roadmaps are for some of the solutions. We have some older articles on that, but we are, they we are, do have a strategy going forward to yeah. add some of those as well yeah. as SAP changes their course. Again, another instance of a great legacy customer base that's understanding what they need to do going forward into the future for sure. And are making those changes. Great. Uh, unit four. Um, so unit four, I think is, is, um, interesting when I think about them with, uh, sort of IFS too. unit four being more, um, European based, um, and, and a much bigger, um, presence globally and meet being able to meet the requirements of services, nonprofit on a global basis, um, really well education, um, you know, they've got a major focus and they've just got lots and lots of clients that are international. And man, <laughs> if you've got international requirements and you get on the wrong app, you are hosed, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where we see them play really, really well and continue to see their North American presence increase. Um, we've done some great collaborations with them. We like them as, as just individuals that work for that company too. They're neat people. Um, and definitely expect to see them sort of increase their, their U.S. presence. Great. And the last one we have on our A to Z for now is Workday. Um, so, yeah, Workday. Um, yeah, I hope people are still on. Um, but um, I still have my offer about the socks. If you've made it this far, like seriously, like email me and I'm going to send you a pair of socks. If you made it, I'm, I'm dead serious. They're going to be ERP advisor this socks. This is a long one. Right, because this is a long one. Not you, Nick. Don't go whisper. <laughs> can I get another pair? No, no, you can't. You totally can. You guys are getting paid to be here. No, um, but but for Workday, you know, financials, we get on a lot of industry calls. Okay, is Workday Financials taking off? Yes, it is. <laughs> but also, you have partners that are doing some very innovative things with their implementations to bring the pricing down. Um, with that acquisition of um, the customer based for adaptive. They're really leveraging that and figuring out how they can put in financials there. I mean, they are they are the preeminent solution for um, HCM. No question. We had a client select them this year. Multiple clients over the years, of course, yeah. have gone there. Um, they won. Done. There's other so so solutions, pardon me, on the HCM that, um, that we don't have time to talk about today, like ADP, Ceridian, and UKG. 
Um, but you know, from an ERP perspective, we look at Workday. We've even done some very interesting implementations with their just financials using them as sort of a consolidation tool because it's a strong solution, multinational, lot, great consolidation capability, eliminations, all that kind of stuff, uh, dealing with uh, foreign currency. Um, and, and can really be a platform um, to stop the damn spreadsheets <laughs> <laughs> in large corporate uh, finance departments or even midsize. Yeah, they had lots of leadership changes as well this year. And I think that that's really yeah, a key did. indicator of their strategy that's changing and how they're going to be able to offer that to clients. Yep. Are you impressed with my knowledge of each of these ERPs? I'm impressed. Thank you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we could talk for hours and keep talking in depth about all of them, but we do have to wrap up. Okay. Um, if you have any other questions, though, you can definitely feel free to contact us. We'll or corrections. Or corrections, too, please. Yes, for corrections, Good. we'll be able to yes, and make sure we... in general. Huh? And I'm sorry to interrupt. And feedback in general. Okay. <laughs> In other words, he's used to talking over me at home so why wouldn't he do it here <laughs> <So>. <laughs> all right well thank you for joining us for today's webinar erp trends and predictions part two 2024 predictions um be sure to join us for our next webinar scheduled for Thursday, February 15th, How to Identify the Best Solutions for Your Field Services Company, where Sean will uncover the most important factors to consider when selecting software for your field services business. Please go to our website, erpadvisorsgroup.com, for more details and to register. ERP Advisors Group is one of the country's top independent enterprise software advisory firms. ERP Advisors Group advises mid to large size businesses on selecting and implementing business applications from enterprise resource planning, customer relationship management, human capital management, business intelligence, and other enterprise applications, which equate to millions of dollars in software deals each year across many industries. This has been the ERP Advisor. Thank you again for joining us. Mm -hmm.